Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, family. We are back for another episode of Tech Niche Tips, and I can tell you your boy is happy today. I mean, we've had some great interviews this past couple, of, this past month, so I want to thank you guys for rocking with me. By the time this video comes out, we would have 500 subscribers, and we just started in January. I mean, I'm blown away by all of the love, support. It means a lot to me. If you happen to be one of those viewers that have liked and commented but have not subscribed yet, I want to encourage you to subscribe because you're going to miss out on some amazing gems that we have here. And speaking of gems, y'all know her on LinkedIn as a recruiter cousin. Y'all know her for being outspoken about us doing better and landing these jobs the right way. I am pleased to bring to the stage today none other than Shanae. Oh, my goodness. Shanae, I'm so glad to have you. Welcome to the table, sis. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. I said welcome to the table like I'm Anthony O'Neill. I think that <laughs> Welcome to the stage. I, I mean, he's, he's, he's my mentor from afar. So if you've seen this, Anthony, hey. Um, <laughs> I love Anthony O'Neill. He's great. Hey, oh, man. He's the reason why I got into tech. So this is going to be great. amazing. But you know what? There's some people that have not been here. So I have to introduce them to the whole concept of this. It's the boots yeah. to the brain. So the boots is symbolic of the journey one takes to get to where Shanae is. And the mindset is the symbolic of the mindset or the brain is symbolic of the mindset. Someone needs to be not only where Shanae is right now, but to scale from there. I'm so happy to bring Shanae and we're going to dive into this. We're going to peel back the onion because there's so much to Shanae's story. And like I always say, let's start from the very beginning because it's a very a good place to start. <laughs> There's a lot, right? Let's just let's talk There's about whatever you feel comfortable talking about from the beginning. Yeah. So first, uh, I, I originally was not going to be a recruiter. So initially, I wanted to be an attorney and I wanted to be either a criminal prosecutor or a criminal defense attorney. And then I wanted some experience in civil law, as well as juvenile justice. So I wanted kind of a variety of different types of law to practice. And so I did not pass the bar after taking the North Carolina bar three different times. I did not pass. And by the time I signed up for the fourth time, I asked myself if I really wanted to be an attorney. And I realized, I literally said, Shanae, do you want to be an attorney? Or is it, is, is you graduating law school, is that enough for you? Because I didn't believe I was smart enough to go to law school, let alone graduate. So is that enough? And I realized that the latter part was actually enough. So I withdrew from taking the bar for the fourth time. I did not want to practice law. I did not feel like I was missing anything. And I wanted to use my law degree to pivot into something different. I didn't even know what that pivot was, though. I didn't even call it a pivot. I was just like, what can I do with my law degree that they didn't really teach us in law school? We're, we're taught to take and pass the bar. We're not taught to go pivot and do something different. And so I was like, well, what can I do that will, will possibly be beneficial? And I may not, I'm, I don't want to feel like my law degree has gone in vain. So I went through a series of, like everybody does, giving their resume to everyone who will look at it and asking for feedback. And I got so much great feedback from people who were not recruiters or who, who were not in HR. And so when I finally got to my now mentor, she kind of literally like, all right, we need to rewrite your resume. Before I even get to that, right, right when I was 
being a you know a candidate in the knee deep of job searching, I stumbled upon what what in the legal field we call doc review. And so doc review was is pretty much a series of projects that you can get on if you've graduated law school, or sometimes they have projects where if you graduated with a college degree. And so you just pretty much going through documents all day long. And it was easy money, but it got to a point where it got to a point where I was just like, this ain't doing it for me. Like I gotta, I'm not a sit at the desk type of person. I gotta do something else. And so I had lost my, both of my contracts that I was working. I had lost both contracts within five days of each other, like three weeks before I was getting married. So I went into my wedding day, unemployed, trying not really knowing what I was going to do. From there, I went into full-time motivational speaking driving Lyft and still trying to find more work. So I was literally like, I'm a, I'm a published author. I wrote three, three books of poetry. And so I was doing poetry and selling my books to pay my car payment and driving Lyft. And so I came upon this opportunity. My husband asked me, he said, have you ever heard of Duke Temporary Service? And I said, no. So he pretty much like, I'm going to give my, your resume to somebody that I know. So he gave my resume to someone who gave my resume to a temp recruiter who called me like the day before he was about to leave. And so when, as he was vacating his role, he gave my resume to one of the temp recruiters who were still there. She called me like a couple of days later and she presented this opportunity with me to come work for Duke. So I was like, cool. Like I'm excited. Like I'm hyped. And so I get there and I realize, oh snap, I'm a secretary. So this temp role that was supposed to be, that was for six weeks is a secretary in Duke's law school in the law clinic. So I immediately had, to, I had a very humbling moment. I was like, Shanae, you are not too good for this job. And I was like, Shanae, you are, you better not cry. You, be, you better suck it up. And I remember like holding back tears because I couldn't believe that I was a secretary in a law school with a law degree. And so I sucked it up. I did my job flawlessly. And I even got a chance to do some legal work for one of the professors because I had a law degree. I finished that assignment and went straight into two weeks later, I went straight into Duke Talent Identification Program, which is Duke TIP. And so that's where I met my now mentor who ripped my resume up. She rebuilt it. And she asked me, she said, do you want to learn how to be a recruiter? And I was like, sure. I was like, I ain't got nothing else to do. So why not? So she literally taught me about the ins and outs of the candidate experience and why a candidate's urgency is really important. And she says, Shanae, the reason why I'm teaching, I taught you the candidate experience that way is because you were a candidate. And so you understand the personal aspect and the hits that you take when you get those rejection letters and you need that yes and you need that email or that phone call. You know what that really feels like. And I knew you would fall in love with this profession. She was right. So she, she literally like, she went on vacation. She threw me to the wolves in many meetings. I had to run meetings on my own as a temp. She was like, I know you can handle it. I believe in you. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you these types of tasks and you're going to succeed in it. And she made me succeed. I went from that to pivoting into my full-time role as a junior recruiter on the healthcare side of Duke. So within two months of her uh, breaking my resume down and us rebuilding it, I had a job, a full-time job as a recruiter within two months of that. So she taught me how to be a recruiter. I took those tips and took that to my first full-time job as a recruiter on the healthcare side of Duke. I did that for about uh, almost two years. I was then like, I had a lot of recognition of, I feel 
a, a couple of times where I have filled the most positions out of any recruiter at Duke. So, or within our department. So I was really like happy that I was able to gain some, some notoriety with the skills and tips and tricks that she had taught me. And so I got an email saying that, you know, this company was looking for recruiters and I was like, okay. And I got it from LinkedIn. So I hit the link. It took me to the website and then I pivoted from healthcare into big tech. So I started when I got into my into big tech, I started to really explain the difference in why you should negotiate your salary based on total comp versus base salary. And I started to understand certain things that you don't learn in higher education and in healthcare that you do learn in tech. So I started to teach specifically the black community why it's important to know every aspect of your salary package because we're not taught certain things. And so I wanted to be able to give the community, my community access to certain information that we wouldn't have otherwise have access to because we just don't have the access. So I give a lot of people tips and tricks and spend a lot of my personal time in speaking into people to get them to number one, know their worth and know their purpose and then build off of that. And I'm on the edge of my seat here, y'all. I'm literally <laughs> writing down notes. I'm at the edge of my seat. I think I, I think I slobbered on myself a little bit. Forgive me, y'all. <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is amazing. You are providing knowledge and value to people because you have experienced it yourself. You have been in mm -hmm. that place where you may be like, oh man, like my I'm I'm literally just got my law degree and I'm mm -hmm. a secretary in a law school. Man, mm -hmm. if you may be listening to this conversation and you may be saying to yourself, listen, I'm not where my degree or where they say I would be or where I thought I may be, but you are on the way. So I want to yep. encourage you right now to not give up hope, because if you look at Shanae's story, she did not give up hope. She was able to connect herself with the right people that championed her mm -hmm. to be. Oh, Lord, that championed yeah, her. Right. I'm feeling something <laughs> that championed her to be where she is today. So you need yeah. to get. Oh, Lord, I'm running that. Yeah, people don't understand. People Come don't understand. On, like, I, was, I was literally a candidate. I graduated from from North Carolina Central University School of Law from on January and in, in, um, December of 2015. I did not get a, my full-time job as a salaried employee until January of 2020. Wait, say that again? I got to write that down. So January, so December of 2015 is when I graduated from mm. law school. Yes. I did not get my first full-time role until December, until January of 2020. That's so it, so that's, that's four, so it literally four years. Yeah. So because that, that January one of that following year after I graduated was 2016. So it literally took me four years to get my first full time role. So I went from I was a I went from studying for the bar to having a temp role with North Carolina with the state of North Carolina to moving back home to New Jersey and working under my aunt as a behavioral specialist that had nothing to do with my law degree. At the same time, studying for the bar not passing the bar and then yeah. having to re and relocate back to North Carolina for my, my, as I was getting, planning on getting married, my husband and I, my husband actually brought me back to North Carolina. That's how I got here. Um, and then he, and then planning a wedding, having con two contract roles at the same time, both of those falling through 
still having another like year and a half of contract roles until I got my first full-time role. And what, what was God about that was I literally, I literally, mind you, working in, as a, I was a Lyft driver. So at one, one day I was a Lyft driver, went straight to my temp role, was selling books while I was at my temp role. And I went and worked at Aldo for a day. And I realized I am entirely exhausted. I have four jobs. I was like, I'm exhausted. And so I learned, like, that was when my trust in, in God really had me, like, on the edge of my seat a lot of the time. Because I was just like, I, I just kept saying, like, God, I need, like, it has to be more to this. I have to, there is no way I went to law school for no reason. And so mm. literally two months before the pandemic hit is when I got my first full-time role and we went remote. Mm. Had I not gotten it then, had I gotten it before and gotten and did some shortcuts or whatever it is that I needed to do, I could have very well been laid off and been back to square one. But mm. I literally two months and maybe two months and about a week or two before the pandemic hit is when I started my role. And I was literally like, God, I would have never been able to drive Lyft and be in a pandemic. I would have like I would have. Me and my, I, I literally said to my husband one day, like, I don't, how, how could I have driven Lyft in a pandemic? And that wouldn't have happened. Mm. So I was just like, like, I, so when, like, I, I posted something on LinkedIn a couple, couple days ago where I said, somebody said, I talk about God too much. Prepare to be sick of me. Because, yep. Um, yep. because unless you understood mm. <laughs> some, of the, some of the tears that I cried in that process, and some mm. of the levels of frustration that I was under, you will never understand why I talk about God as much. Yeah. So, so I I was in a, a very much in a space of a need and an urgency that unless you were in that need and that urgency as a recruiter, you will never understand what the candidate feels like. So mm. there are times, so good. I'm like, there are times when I'm up on, in my bed on my phone answering people, and it doesn't bother my husband because he understands. That's a passion of mine. He also understands where I was. So mm. until you understand the level of the, of the urgency of the candidate and the frustration that it brings a candidate when they are ghosted, when you do not follow up with them, or when you when you make them feel like they they don't matter because they're the candidate, you mm. will never be able to be a good recruiter. Mm. So for so for me, like um. My my mentor taught me not only about the candidate experience, but she was like, Shanae, you'll understand the candidate experience a lot better when you put yourself there. Mm. And I so every single time I talk to somebody, my, I always tell them my model is I will never forget what it feels like to be a candidate ever because I know what that feels like. So until you understand that you could very well be talking to somebody off of their ledge. You could very well be saving somebody's life. And if you and, and having the understanding that you are the liaison between the candidate and the company, you'll never know what it feels like to be a really good recruiter unless you understand that. Wow. Listen here, y'all. Did y'all hear what y'all hear what what Sinead just said? She's she's not thinking about job, she's not just thinking about people as candidates, she's thinking about saving lives. Yeah. She is basically operating a Shanae Private Ryan right now, going into yeah. the battlefield of life and rescuing people from their situation, from their circumstances, and bringing them to a place of safety. 
Y'all, listen, if you are finding value, we, we're only, what, 15 minutes in? If you guys are finding <laughs> value in this conversation right now, I want you to like, comment, and you need to subscribe. I'm going to put Sinead, and of course, she's you're cool with this, putting your LinkedIn in the description. Yeah, yeah, I always want to ask. Oh, I'm yeah. going to put her LinkedIn in the description because y'all could reach out to her. Y'all, 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 a lot of people coming to me. My LinkedIn, my YouTube, my Instagram, my TikTok, all that. I'm gonna drop everything here. I don't. I, I love <laughs> to promote the people that are on my show. I have no problem yeah. doing that because this is what it's all about. Like, there's people that talk to me and they ask me questions, or, or better yet, I'll say it like this: I've seen people complain about how hard it is to get to tech, land a job, whatever. You know, it's it is hard. It's not easy, but it's worth it. But it's worth it's it. I almost lost my child. Like literally my child was born in our car <laughs> on the day I was supposed to have an interview. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I opened the door and I see the baby there. And my wife's like, oh, wow. we're, we're three minutes away from the emergency room. I say this, I told the story uh, the other day and it wasn't, and it literally it, in that moment, I'm managing this. We have five kids at home. My wife, my mother is, is watching the kids. Uh, the 30 doctors are asking me questions about my wife and, da, 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 da. and there's a lot of things going on. But you you gotta you gotta you gotta say God give me strength right now and you need yeah. to arrive in the moment and be present Absolutely. and do your best and nail it because they are lives in the balance. That's 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 Absolutely. that's how I feel. And so if you need oh, if you if you feel like you can't do it, look at Shanae's story, even look at my story, but look at what Shanae just said and realize you can do it. I believe the only time you fail is when you give up. Come on now. That's it. That's the only time you fail. Like I would, I I do not take no for an answer. Mm. And I also don't, I, I'm a proponent in being yourself in every room you walk in. So I so for me, for example, when I walk into a room, I command the attention of the room. Why? Because I'm supposed to. Mm. If you are if you are insecure by my presence in a room, that is an insecurity you should nurse, not me. Everybody should have that kind of power. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, I didn't get that yesterday. Like, it took me years to feel that way. And it yeah. got to it got to a point for me where I literally said, if nobody else is going to feel that way about me, I'm going to feel that way about me. Mm-hmm. I'm my favorite, like, I, told, I said this the other day, I'm my favorite person. And I'm my favorite person because I have to like me first. Mm. So if you, if, if you don't like you or anything that you do, you can't convince other people in an interview that you're the best person for that job. Mm. So I was I always tell people, if if you don't know why you deserve the job, why do you think you're going to go into an interview and convince somebody else the reason why you deserve Ooh, the job? I felt that in my back. Ooh, Lord. <laughs> keep going. Keep going, though. Mm. I mean, like, genuinely, like, if you don't believe, wow. if you don't believe you, why do you think other people should? So I get, like, I tell people all the time, I can, we can give you tips and tricks as recruiters and and motivational speakers, career coaches, resume writers. We can give you tips and tricks until we blow in the face. When you walk into that interview, that's your time. Mm. And if you can't sell yourself, nobody else is going to be able to convince you to do so. May I? So may I, I, sorry, I mean, I, I, no, I really don't like to interrupt my guests, but I, I just want to piggyback on that real quick. I have so many people that talk to me about their interview process and they're, they're basically kind of like, man, you know, it's so, it's, you know, there's multiple, pro- multiple interviews you have in tech. And they're like, man, I, I, I got through the first one. I got through the second one, but I didn't make it to the third. I'm like, well, well, did you just like give up? And what I mean by give up, did you not bring your authentic self to every interview that you had? 
because if you if you decided that I I made it at number four, you're gonna lose. If you decided I made it at number two because you just happened to go through the venue interview and you decided like I'm I'm gonna bring your authentic self to each and every one of those. That's all I gotta say. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, in the tech role that I'm in now, I went in my interviews like this, <laughs> and I literally, honestly, I did it on purpose. I literally everything that I preached in my last at my last job. I was like, I'm gonna put this to the to, to the test. I'm gonna see if I can actually go on my interviews as me, right? Mm. So everything, everything from if the if the question was, well, what did you do in this situation? I literally in my answers, I was doing this, I was doing all of that. I was like, like I was doing all of that just to see if me being myself and me mm. actually giving you an illustration of how I work through things, if that's enough and if that's mm. actually accepted. And if the answer is yes, great. If the answer is no, great. Either way, I'm not going to change who I am. So whether you like it or not, I'm going to be me at all times because mm. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in the idea of code switching Yeah. because my thing is you don't change who you are to make me comfortable. So why would I change who I am to make you comfortable? Speak on it. Wow. Speak on it. So I had this, I had, I have a very graceful approach to, how I do certain things in a very respectful way, but I also demand a certain level of respect. There is a there is a level of respect and tone that you have to use with me mm. because you, you deserve and demand the same thing. Mm. So whether I am an entry-level employee from the janitor to the CEO, I believe in every single person has a level of a boundary of respect that they deserve and that they demand. And if mm. you don't want to get that as a leader to an entry level employee and vice versa, then we don't need to work together. Mm, mm, so I, I got, wanted to mm. that I wanted to test that in my inner in in more recent interviews that I had to kind of see if that would work. And it did. So I was just like, okay, well, part of that has to do with the confidence level when you go into an interview. Part of that has to do with I am absolutely going to be myself regardless of how you feel. So you can like it, love it, or lump it. But I'm just gonna be, I'm I just feel like and I believe in my heart of hearts that if I put my put a mask on in an interview, that means I'm gonna have to put my mask on the day day one and every single time I talk to you. And I'm not doing that, it's too exhausting. It is exhausting. It is exhausting. And and if I could speak about something because it's something that I actually spoke about in another interview, uh actually recently. Will Smith had an interview that I found very, very profound. It was the Breakfast Club. It was with Martin Lawrence. They were basically talking about Bad Boys 3 at the time. And he said something that was profound to me. He said, there's Will Smith and then there's a Fresh Prince. And sometimes the pasta syndrome could show itself in such a way that whatever worked for us in the past is the same thing we try to bring to the current day. So Fresh Prince was able to get him an appointment with Quincy Jones and get the show going. Fresh Prince opened up so many deals for him, whether it was in music or whatever the case may be. And now he's bringing Fresh Prince, the teenager, the kid, <laughs> to, to, to Will Smith, the adult, and it's not working for him anymore. And mm. people have noticed the, in, it, it, he was on being his authentic self. And he was like, mm -hmm. man, like the door started like, conversation started changing doors started closing it was just different for him and he's like i had to learn how to become will smith mm -hmm. i had to learn how to become my authentic self in order for for me to be be able to grow from where mm -hmm. i'm at and so i want to talk about that for a second i mean i had stuff that i want to talk about but listen this is this right here is meat and potatoes how do you somebody looking at this and say hey listen i had a code switch all my life 
because the struggle it whether it was it was subliminally taught talk to me about my parents that I need to be a certain way that's how mm-hmm. I've been how do I find myself in the work in how do I find myself period let alone yeah. in tech yeah sure so whenever I get that question or a question similar to that I always I always tell people first to pay attention to others and here's what I mean one of my aunts uh, had a leadership role in higher education in the state of New Jersey for years. Um, And I watched how she was treated by her leaders every day, whether I was working under her or whether I was, whether she would just share something with me because I'm I'm an unlicensed attorney. She would share like legally, she would want to know. So what, what, what does this sound like to you? And so, but I watched her do it with so much grace. Uh, I also watched her getting their behinds when she needed to. So I I watched that quite a bit over the years. And I said to myself, it's not that she allowed it because she absolutely didn't. But at times her back was against the wall. And I remember saying to myself, yeah, I'm not going to allow anyone to treat me like that from day one. Mm. And so I had put up a post when I was working under her. I put up a post about Black Lives Matter. And she called me into her office and she saw the post and she said, uh, Shanae, you have to take this down. I said, why? And so she said, because I want you to climb the corporate ladder. And when you talk about something that's very controversial, I, it, I fear that it's going to hinder you from climbing the corporate ladder. She said, I'm already at the top. And I don't, I want you to be able to get up here too. So I don't, I feel like if you keep posting stuff like this, you, you're, you may be viewed or seen as something. And I was like, okay, well, if that's the case, I'd rather stay at the bottom. And so I called Mm. in one of Mm. her, one of her colleagues who I called in one of her colleagues who I said, I said, well, let's get another opinion. So I called in one of her colleagues and we, we told her, we both told her the situation and her colleague said, well, honestly, I agree with Shanae. And so she, she also then said, you have to look at the generation. The generation, her generation and on is saying, we're not putting up with that. That's not something that we're going to continue to deal with just because it's comfortable for you. So I said, with all due respect, aunt, I appreciate your opinion and I respect it. I said, but if I have to be anything other than myself to climb a ladder to to be right in the eyes of a person i was like i was like god already liked me so and i like me so i don't need to like approve i don't need that so i literally was like i just rather stay at the bottom i'm not playing nobody's game to go to the top like why would i like no i was like i'm not doing that and she Mm. totally respected it and so and it wasn't that she felt like she had to play a game it was more or less of how she was treated and what she started to see. And, and, and she didn't mm. want me to have to go through the same thing. Mm. And I and I told her, I said, I absolutely respect that. I said, but if I had to choose between me and me and a job or coming out of myself, I'm gonna choose me every time. So mm. I so so with that, to the to the question about how do I switch over to being myself after operating in this space for so long you have to pay attention come out of yourself for a second take a step back and look at how other people are treated and then ask yourself am i being belittled by being treated this way or am i being empowered 
Mm. And once you actually get really in tune with yourself, you will then start setting boundaries with people that you didn't think you would have to set boundaries with. Starting mm. with people in your personal life going into your professional life. Mm. So wow. I, I, made, I made up in my mind, everybody with me has a boundary. The only person that does not have a boundary, only two people, entity is God. Second person is my husband. Everybody else got a boundary. Everybody, no matter mm. how close you are. Because I am about protecting my mental health and my peace first. So I deal in seasonal depression because mm. I know that about myself. I protect my mental health first, regardless of who you are. It honestly doesn't matter who you are unless it's my husband. My husband does not contribute anything bad to my mental health. So he doesn't have a boundary. Everybody else, though, if, if I disagree with something, you got a boundary. Uh, and it's not that you disagree with me. It's I need time. And my boundary is let me take a step back and think about what you said. So I'm not offended. So let me mm. let me think about it. And then I'll get back with you. So my boundary is regardless of who you are in my life, there is a certain space or a line that you cannot cross with me. And part of that is because there is, again, going back to that level of respect, there is a level of respect that I demand. So another example in my professional life, I had a hiring manager one day who asked, who, who actually asked me for more candidates to be sent over to, um, to their requisition. And so I said, well, I sent you candidates. I literally was like, well, you have candidates. And so he was like, well, I want to see more candidates. And I said, well, what's wrong with the ones you have? Because in my mind, I'm thinking people who can see the profile on their end can see that they've been sent over to you. If it's been sitting in that status for so long, they're going to wonder what's, what are the next steps. And so I said, well, you have people. So why do you need more? And so I'm a firm believer in I've sent you these people. Before you want anybody else, you need to go through these people. And I'm not sending you no more until you go through these people. So he asked me for more people. I told him no. He said, well, do you, so you mean you're not going to send me more people be, even though I asked? I said, you're absolutely correct. I've done my job. My job is to send you the qualified candidates that meet your qualifications that you laid out in this job description. Your job is to then go through those people that I sent you and mark them however you want to mark them to determine if you want to move forward or if you don't want to move forward. Until you do that, you will not get any more candidates. And for me, I followed up to tell my supervisor exactly what I said to him. Just so, <laughs> you feel like you need to go and tell on me, I'll tell on myself. That's right. So, so I told my supervisor and she was like, no, you're right. I, mm. same, same example. Had another example where I had a hiring manager who there were two different interviews, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. The interview panel consisted of one white man, three white women, and the candidate was a white woman. Mm. Next, next in the afternoon was one white man, three white women. Candidate was a person of color of Indian descent. So I, so of course I'm sitting in on both of these interviews. In the morning, everybody chopping it up, excited. Oh my gosh! Right, everybody yeah. related to it. In the afternoon, all of a sudden, ain't nobody paying attention but the hiring manager. And now I got a problem, right? So not only are y'all not paying attention, but I'm the HR person sitting on the call and you doing this in front of me. Cool. No issues. As if both the interviews were done, 
The hiring manager asked me, he said, well, Shanae, what's your feedback? I said, are you sure? They weren't ready. Said, they weren't ready. Said, are you positive? He was like, yeah. I said, listen. I was like, dog. I was like, are you sure? Because I'm going to tell you the truth. And so he was like, yeah. I was like, all right, cool. Check this out. I said, the re and I literally, all right, cool. Check this out. I said, listen, mm. the reason why I am, my camera is off is for, is for a couple reasons. I said, one of those reasons is I am currently still recruiting. So if my camera is on, I can't, it, I'm distracting the candidate who's actually interviewing. So my camera's off. I said, I also need to listen to the candidate's phone voice because I need to understand if the candidate can do business over the phone because we are in this virtual space. What we're doing here is a phone call. This is not in person. Just because we can see each other don't mean it's in person. So yeah. I need to understand that for this leadership role, can this candidate actually do the job that they are called, they're being called on to do? I'm also paying attention to all y'all. I said person A, person B, and person C. Person A, persons A and B, y'all two are on y'all phones because y'all looking down. So y'all look like y'all talking to each other. Person C, you are shifted this way. So you looking at another screen. So you don't even look like you paying attention. The only person that's paying attention in here is the hiring manager. Huh. So everybody stopped. Hiring manager says, um, is everybody paying attention? So one of the, mm. one of the interviews said, she's right. I actually was checking the weather on my phone and went like this. And I said, so because she was not given a fair interview, she needs to be interviewed again. I sent a follow-up email. I copied my supervisor. Cause again, I will tell on, me on myself yeah. You have, before you have the opportunity, I will mm -hmm. tell. On you. So I copied my supervisor to tell her here. Here is what I said. Here's what I told them to do. And granted, none of those women got hired, but it was the principle of it all. There yeah. is a certain boundary with me that when you are working with me, there is a certain level of respect I demand in all aspects. And it's and actually you should respect that versus being able to walk all over me and it's okay. Mm -hmm. Because so lies are in the balance. Yep, sorry. Yeah, so that's, so that's how you go from being learning how to be one way versus then now you have to take a step back, step outside yourself and pay attention, like really pay attention to how people are talking to each other. They're surround your surroundings and every aspect of how people talk to you so you can understand how you're being treated and then you can change it that way. I can see clearly now. I can see clearly now. The truth is coming now. Justice is coming down.